Before we begin this week's broadcast, please be aware this podcast contains sensitive subject matter regarding mental health and suicide. If you think this may cause some distress, please consider not listening any further. If you or anyone you know is going through tough times, see the episode show notes for links to organisations that offer professional help. Hi guys and a massive welcome back to the Dedicate podcast and welcome to season five. With Workout for Mental Health, our eight-week challenge starting on Monday the 15th of August, the first few episodes are going to be centred around mental health. Starting today with an incredible woman, Kendall White. Kendall is the founder and CEO of Blue Tree Project, the Australian charity we are raising funds for in Workout for Mental Health. Blue Tree Project is having a massive impact across the whole of Australia and now New Zealand as well with the mission of sparking difficult conversations and breaking the stigma of mental health by painting dead trees blue. Blue Tree Project was inspired by Kendall's tragic loss. Her brother Jaden died by suicide in 2018. Today Kendall shares Jaden's story and how the blue trees came about. We delve into mental health challenges and issues we face as a society. Kendall's mission is not to share her pain, but to share hope. Season 5 of the Dedicate podcast and Workout for Mental Health is proudly sponsored by Rabobank. Rabobank is a specialist savings and agribusiness bank. 100% of savings deposits are used to help fund New Zealand farmers and growers to produce delicious, nourishing food for us all. Thanks to their cooperative origins, Rabobank has a rich history of community engagement and now, thanks to Rabo Community Fund, they can make an even bigger impact in the communities where their clients live. Through Rabobank, you can be part of something truly productive. Let's grow a better New Zealand together. Hi. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, when we first caught up, I was thinking it was going to be impossible for us to find a time that suited us both with you being four hours behind us, Um, but we're here. (laughs) No, I'm glad we've been able to make that work. (laughs) Well, you're so busy with everything that you do, and then I've got a really, um, it's kind of small window with kids. I have to pick them up at three. So um, yeah, it's kind of like we couldn't start any later than one, which is your 9am. So yeah, Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? So yesterday, Workout for Mental Health launched. Um, Yes. Yeah, we're super excited. It starts on August the 15th. And we're excited to be working with you guys. The Blue Tree... Okay, I keep saying The Blue Tree Project, but it's Blue Tree Project, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess today we'd just love to know the story behind it. I'm sure you've told it a lot of times and quite a few of your followers would have heard it before, but... Every time I'm sure you share, it's slightly different. And then there's a lot of our members and podcast listeners who w- won't know you, um, who won't know about the, about the about Blue Tree Project yet. Um, so I'm excited to share the amazing things that you're doing. Tell us how it all started. Um, so Blue Tree Project is a mental health charity that I founded here in Western Australia in 2019 after I lost my brother to suicide in 2018. And you're right in saying that 
I think every time I share the story, it's in a different way, in a different light, um, depending on who I'm talking to. Um, it is also quite a bittersweet sort of experience, I yeah. think, um, to have something that has flourished into a charity making impact right across Australia, particularly in regional areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, there is an emotional yeah. tax, I suppose, that comes with it working in the industry and then um, particularly trying to separate that. It's mm. quite difficult. Um, but Blue Tree Project was inspired by a story that was actually shared at my brother's funeral um, by a special friend of his. And they snuck out one night on our family farm in Muckingbooden, which is in the central wheat belt of WA, and decided that they were going to paint this tree blue randomly in the middle of a paddock and sort of see how long it would take before anyone noticed. Was it just a complete random thing? Like, it doesn't even really make sense, does it? You know, like, yeah, yeah, but it's amazing, yeah. So it was a bit of a practical joke that he's played with his friend um, in 2014. Um, so many years before we lost Jaden, but I actually didn't find out about this blue tree until I heard that story. And the project wasn't really born until one of my brother's best mates decided that he was going to paint a blue tree as a bit of a tribute, but also as a way to start the conversation around mental health with his mates because yeah, we didn't see it coming at all. And um, how old was he? So he was 29. Yeah. So the same age as myself at the moment. And what, yeah. where was he in his life? Like what was happening um, just as in what was his job and what was he up to? Yeah. So he was actually living in Sydney at the time. Um, and me and my family had been over to visit him not long before. and. I suppose it's really difficult to really know how someone is going um, if you're not seeing them and you're not having that interaction in person. So I suppose we just didn't realise how much he was struggling and he obviously didn't tell us at all either. So I think... And do um, people hide it from their loved ones a lot? Yeah, I think there is this mentality with mental health um, when people are struggling that... They don't want to tell people because they don't want to be a burden um, to others. And um, can it be sometimes a pride thing? So he he was in Sydney and he perhaps wanted to show you guys how awesome his life is and that he's a success. He, you know, it's going well. Yeah, I think there is that element. Absolutely. Um, But I think that isolating from your family and your friends um, can really take a huge toll on sort of keeping that routine and keeping you grounded in that sense um, to maintain your mental well-being. So I think um, there is still that stigma attached to mental health for those struggling and particularly in regional and rural areas, there's that the generation growing up with man up, toughen up, she'll mm-hmm. be right. They're just saying we'll that, have, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. just the terms that have been used out in those areas for far too long and we are seeing a shift I think um, with the generations and approaching the topic differently mm-hmm. but it's such a complex issue such a complex problem um, so I've made it my mission with Blue Tree Project to 
try and start the difficult conversations and kick the stigma of mental health. And so we're doing this through painting these dead trees and giving them a blue lease on life. And so special. They're, yeah, really spotted right across Australia and now other parts of the world. There is actually one or a couple in New Zealand somewhere. I don't know oh, off the top of my head. So I should have researched that. Sweet. It's great that it's that it's making such, you know, having such an impact. Um, because yeah. when I found out about you guys, um, so Ange, who works for me, she's in WA, and we were like, oh, we sort of want to find someone that's Australian-wide. We thought, oh, maybe you guys are more WA. And then we looked into it more and spoke to more people and they're like, no, 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 it's it's really, it's getting big and it's, yeah, it's fantastic what you're doing. Yeah, it's incredible it's how quickly it has spread so far and wide because I've only been working on the project full-time for the last sort of two years. Yeah. Um, so I think these blue trees that are sort of in the middle of nowhere have really started that conversation and really had people thinking, why is there a blue tree? And that is the perfect opportunity to have a conversation in your car with your family when you're on a road trip and building that emotional intelligence. Um, And I think it's something that you can see. So it makes it seem more real. But if you hear something's happened to someone, maybe it's, doesn't hit you as hard as if you I don't know seeing something yeah it's become this symbol now and I like to think it's a symbol of hope because these blue trees all have their own story it may be just a community group wanting to start that conversation around mental health ensuring people know that there's always someone there if you're struggling it may have been a bereaved family so I like to think of yeah all of these trees that we're seeing um have their own story and so everyone people paint is them impacted. only when someone's life has been taken by suicide or is it just if someone wants to no you know, not necessarily awareness? yeah so we don't like to think of them as memorials as such yeah. they're more um these conversation starters that community groups schools universities I private see. companies nice. everyone's got involved with the project in some capacity that they can mer- make work and we've seen retirement homes do it so I think it's just mental health is this widespread issue that affects people from yeah such a young age well into their um, older years so I think it's just this widespread issue that everyone really cares about and it's why I think it has spread so quickly and resonated with so many people it's become this symbol it's this tangible object it can be very very visually captivating and so it has helped start those conversations um yeah worldwide now yeah it's amazing and we will do one the Kate Ivy fitness team will do one one round amazing so great Um, and so are you happy to share just a bit more about Jaden and his his life and then I'd love to delve into your life a bit more as well sure um so I grew up in the country in a small town muck and Boudin, as I mentioned earlier and has a population of 800 people so it's very close-knit and, and so where is that in relation to Perth so some of us can get a bit of an so idea yeah so it's about three and a half hours northeast of Perth oh, so it's really not well. that far away yeah. um quite an easy drive for us here in WA yeah. and I feel very lucky to have grown up in um this particular farming community they're so caring and 
I think I sleep a lot better at night knowing that mum and dad are still part of that community and have that support there. And we saw that. Siblings? Yes. So I have a younger sister who I actually live with. Um, Yeah, we're very close. And my partner and myself and Erin, my sister and her boyfriend, we all live together. And I think having that sort of family unit here in Perth is really special because mum and dad are still on the farm. Mum's teacher at school, dad's been working away on the farm for many years. And um, yeah, we like to think that we live the best of both worlds um, and have that, yeah, have that close knit community. And we saw that like none other after losing my brother, Jaden. It was harvest. And obviously, when something like that happens, your whole world changes and the community rallied together to help us finish our harvest in a day and we had farmers bringing their machinery from over an hour away and we had like 20 harvesters and 15 trucks whatever it was just all coming together to help us and so yeah seeing that community spirit mm. and um yeah that commitment is just incredible really heartwarming so I feel very lucky to have grown up there and so we spent many afternoons Jaden, Erin and I playing around on the farm, sheep yards, um, riding horses, <laughs> quite yeah. a typical sort of farm upbringing. Yeah. Which, yeah, I feel very, very lucky to have had actually. Mm. Um, and yeah, Jaden and I lived together for many years and I mean, he was always such a quiet, kind person, such a kind brother, like I remember thinking of friends' brothers who always mean to them or like (laughs) fighting or bullying or whatever, but there's just never any of that. Um, Very special um, having that relationship. He loved reading. He has quite a library. I loved looking through his books um, when going home, but for someone who was 29, his library is incredible and um, he loved reading. What did he do for a job? So he had a few different professions throughout the years but at the time that we lost Jaden he was actually working as a trader in Sydney and um what do you mean by trader financial so commodity and financial markets yeah yeah Yeah. so he's obviously a really switched on person yeah yeah he was very switched on and it's quite interesting like I don't want to say funny but it's quite funny in a way that I knew he would have some impact on the world in some capacity I just never expected it would be in this way yeah yeah it's one of those sort of special people that you know that's going to make a difference yeah Yeah. absolutely such a special soul so really hard had he been having challenges for long or you guys didn't you had no idea no we didn't know we didn't I think like I said the capacity like that isolation and not having the capacity to see him and speak with him really regularly in person, you can hide so much behind a screen or a phone call, I think, when not feeling like you can open up. And Mm -hmm. I suppose that's my message for people today is that there is always someone who wants to be there for you and who will help you do not have to struggle in silence. Um, Yeah. When you are struggling, that's when you feel like isolating yourself and that's when you don't want to see people and that's when you don't want to talk or think that you don't kind of deserve to speak to anyone. I don't know. When I've had challenges, mental health challenges in my life, I've felt I've retracted. 
Yeah, withdraw. I think that's a very common thing for people to do. And it's quite hard to get out of that that way of thinking, Mm. I think. And um, And it's really hard for people to know what to do to help, isn't it? It really is. Um, I think people will struggle in so many different ways as well, show it in different ways and also their journey on um, how to help themselves and increase their well-being is so different for each individual. It might be exercising for someone or it might be reading or it might be just such a various mix of ways on ways that will fill your own cup up, do something for yourself, making yourself feel better. Um, And I sort of think that I have a mental health bank account and what goes out must come back in in some capacity. So if I've had a particularly anxious day or have had health issues or whatever it is, then I must be depositing through, yeah, self-care, exercise, whatever it is, socialising with friends, taking a holiday, taking time out off social media. Or do you just make a um, sort of mental note to yourself? Hey, this Just a mental note. Take a break. Yeah. To go and do something that you enjoy that fills your cup. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that we need to do a little bit of each day. It can be very small, but just a small amount will make all that difference in maintaining that well-being yeah. sort of levels. Yeah. When you um, found out about what happened to Jaden, the, the community all rallied together. My heart ached just hearing that because I can just, you know, picture that in my own own community. Um, having spoken to people in the past, what who have been affected by similar things, what they've said can be quite hard is people are there for you when you lose someone in, um, in the short term. And then in the long term, you're still carrying a lot of pain, but people forget to check in on how you're doing when you've lost someone. Yeah, I think that is quite a difficult thing is when you've lost someone immediately, everyone comes around you and comes together to support you and yeah, cooking food, taking on certain roles, whatever it is to help in some capacity. But then, like you said, it can drift away. And then that's the thing, like people go on with their own lives and Mm. your life has been left shattered and you're still trying to come to terms with it. But initially you're almost so numb that you can't. So when that all all dies down and the numbness goes away, that's when you really have to deal with it. And you start feeling again Mm. and it's quite interesting because I remember the time that I had my first laugh when I really meant it. Like it's like the numbness had started lifting. I'm very fortunate in that I have an incredible support network and friendship group around me. And yeah, I just remember being out and actually wanting to be out and about doing things again and having that first laugh where it wasn't sort of forced because I'm out in a social situation and I feel like I should be having a good time. So, Mm. yeah, you start to come back to life, I suppose, Mm. for lack of a better saying, and that's when you do need that community. That's when you need people around you to, yeah, just help navigate through that. And I love talking about Jaden. We're always very open about speaking about Jaden and past stories. Um, and, yeah, I make it known to all of my friends that I I do like that. I want to keep him alive in that sense. And I, I feel like we do through the project. And it's something that my family is 
kind of fortunate in having. I never like the word lucky that we have this project, but it has helped my family in so many ways. And our family is fortunate in the sense that there is this legacy of Jaden and we know that it is having an impact. We know it's already changed lives. And so we just hope that we can give other families who have lost loved ones that avenue to maybe remember um, the ones that they've lost also. Well, it's it's super admirable, um, especially, you know, it can feel the pain in your voice, of course, and I see the tears in your eyes. Of course, that's how you feel. But as you were saying earlier, you're having to recount it a lot to people you hardly know um, and open up more often than you would have otherwise. But in some ways, is that healing because you do get to talk about it? Or is yeah. it hard having to bring it all up all the time and go into that emotional space? I think initially when I started the project and we didn't really know where it was going, it was sort of an Instagram page and then it was, yeah, Facebook and a social movement. But now we're a registered charity. I had to really put in some boundaries about how much I tell everyone. I don't have to tell everyone everything all the time. There are certain details that I might share more willingly in certain settings. So yeah, it was really important for me to put those boundaries up so that I look after myself and actually mm. practice what I preach to maintain my well-being. Yeah. Like doctors who are having to share heartbreaking news to patients all the time and, you know, they have to separate themselves, don't they? But obviously it's different because, you know, they don't know them. I guess is it, you know, something like a podcast you open up, but if you're pitching to a school kind of thing, it's almost like a pitch. It's like a pre-planned sort of story about what happened yeah and each audience like you said a school my speech is very different it's very hopeful and that's what I'm wanting to do is I I share my pain not well I share my story not to share the pain but to share the hope is sort of how I think of it Mm -hmm. um because I know that it touches so many people hearing the story and has helped people change their pathways in life and so if I can do that for just a few people then I'm more than willing to openly talk about it and openly talk about suicide and make it a topic that um, we don't shy away from because here in Australia it's actually the leading cause of death Mm -hmm. for us from ages 14 to 45 and saw that and it's really high in in New Zealand as well and in all age demographics it's in the top five it's an epidemic isn't it yeah, it really is. And, and I think I'm learning rural people as well. Yeah. So those in rural and isolated areas in Australia, I know are twice more likely to take their own life. So, and then once again, 75% of that is actually made up of males. So yeah. the attempts made as well is horrific. I think it was about yeah. 65,000 people making an attempt on their life in, in one year. So I remember hearing that statistic for the first time and sort of being horrified and naive because until I had lost someone so close to me, I don't think I saw how big that issue really was until now getting out into the communities. Um, But I think that's what those blue trees do. I think maybe that's what I was trying to say before. Instead of them being numbers, people becoming numbers, there's something you can see that represents... Yeah. yeah, I think it's become that really visually captivating way to 
open up about the topic and mental health and try and stop some of those people in their tracks and um, have them know that there are other ways and that there is always someone who wants to be there and support them. Because it's far worse than anything you can physically experience it, isn't it? Like yesterday when I was feeling awful mentally, it's, I'm absolutely fine today. Um, but if I'd experienced that for a few more days, I wouldn't have been in a good place. And I was thinking about it. It is, it's, it's kind of a physical pain as well. It's when you're feeling really anxious, depressed, whatever, you feel it in your whole body. And that is what people try to escape. And then when you are actually in that crisis, your frontal lobe isn't working, which means that you actually can't make these rational decisions to help you get out of that, that way of thinking. So I, I try and share to people that if you were to really spiral and um, your well-being sort of went downhill really quickly, what's your plan of attack? So it's sort of like you know what you would do if you're noticing yourself um, really deteriorating and you can fall back on that plan and you can reduce that cognitive sort of load. Yeah. yeah, you've yeah, that cognitive load in a time where you literally do not have the capacity to make those decisions. It's like a toolkit, isn't it? It's like a yeah. safety survival kit. And I yeah. really loved when we caught up the first time um and I told you about workout for mental health, how you said what's so great about that is it's also prevention. Yeah, prevention is something that we have a lot of focus on. So we didn't want to come into the mental health sector and become another support line. I I wanted to stop people from getting to that breaking point. Mm. I wanted to be out in the community engaging, changing the way that we talk about mental health and making it a topic that everyone's open to um, approaching. So including adults with their kids and educating that emotional intelligence from a young age being kind to your mind being kind to others and ways that or also making sure that your children know that they can come to you no matter what they're feeling and how to actually put it into words which can be really difficult for kids when they're not really not really sure what this overwhelming anxiousness is Mm. um so I think 14 years of age 11 to 14 is when a lot of mental health concerns are coming out in children. And so that's such a young age mm. to really have a broad concept on the idea and how to actually yeah. make that known to a parent what's going on. So youth parents are still getting are getting to know this new child kind of. So you've, yeah. you know your children well and then they change. You know, they're coming into that different stage of life, adolescence and you've got a different, you know, it's the same person, but you've got to, to learn how to, what's going to work for that child again and yeah. how to communicate with them and how to get the best out of them. Some some kids like to talk, some don't. Um, some respond to you really pushing, some just want you to back off. You know, yeah. where's the line? How do you know when to step in? All that stuff is is quite tough. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine I personally don't have children yet, but navigating that would be really stressful for parents as well absolutely um Mike King is a big 
spokesperson advocate for mental health in New Zealand. And I read something of his yesterday, um, no, the day before, um, saying what parents need to do is instead of, so when a child comes to them and expresses their stress or anxiety or something that's going on, what we tend to do as parents thinking that we're helping is come in with an example from us. And I, I do this lots and you think, great, you're helping them by showing that you've experienced that too. Um, but he said, what that does is tells them that you'll be right. I've done this, you'll be fine. And that every time they want to talk, you talk. Um, he said, what we should be doing instead is showing our struggles and showing when we're um, battling with things. So yesterday it was hard, but I just said to my kids, guys, I'm really struggling today. Um, and said, you know, started a conversation around that. So then hopefully they see that it's, that it's okay. And then yeah. you can talk about it. Yeah. I think leading with that vulnerability um, speaks volumes for children, co-workers, peers, whoever it is. I think if you openly speak out about your struggles, you will only empower others to do the same as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're on a mission to have zero suicides. So yes. Very is, bold mission. It is a bold mission, <laughs> but I've got to aim high. So yeah. What I, needs I really to be done do. to head, head towards that? I really do believe that all deaths by suicide are preventable. And so I think there's a long way to go. I think we need to change our approach and how we um, actually deal with mental health um, in our hospitals, in our systems, in our schools. I think that there's always been such a focus on crisis and aftercare rather than that preventative approach. And I think governments are realising now that there needs to be more proactive prevention um, rather than adding mental health beds to a hospital in a health system that really isn't actually built for modern day mental health issues. So um, bringing in more safe spaces for people to present rather than going to emergencies. So my brother Jaden actually did present to hospital twice. Uh, there were stats on it um, that I read this morning that it's really high percentage yeah. are seen before. Yeah. before taking their own lives. So I think if we can change that trajectory, if we change the way that we take in people who are struggling with mental health crisis at that point, we can really stop them in their tracks. And it's interesting because, like you said, the numbers are horrifically high. And even after losing Jaden, speaking with others um, who have lost their loved ones, so many had that same story. And so what's happening? Are they going in and speaking, you know, or Jaden and his example, what happened? He went in and spoke to someone and they sort of sent him off or? Yeah. So I think what's happening is people will present and like for so long, you look fine on the outside when really you're seriously struggling and fighting mm. and hurting so deeply. But in an emergency room, if you're in competition with someone who's just been in a car accident and needs immediate care, like they're being dismissed. And I think that's why I say so did, we don't did have... Did he go to the emergency room and say, I need help urgently? Yes. 
So he did that twice. So first time he was admitted and um, did they you guys tried find to- out about this or you didn't find out? So they tried calling our home phone on the farm and mum and dad weren't there. Um, so I left a message and said that he'd been to hospital, but they had assessed him and had released him and they will follow up with him. And obviously, like, we didn't hear that till a much later time when you get home from work. And then was it too late? he maybe? had already presented twice. And obviously in Eastern States, there was that bit of time difference and we couldn't get hold of anyone. And I... It was that day? Yes. So it was the same day. So it was, yeah, this horrific situation that I wouldn't want anyone to go through. Um, So my family, well, my mum and I flew over to Sydney, not really knowing anything at this point, just knowing that we had to go and get Jaden and bring him home but we were too late. So I think there's just this flawed system where people are presenting to these emergency rooms and not getting the help that they need. So um, safe spaces have become um, this new way of having a place for those in crisis to present and having trained clinicians um, or even peer Uh, lived experienced um, individuals who can help them navigate that crisis point and get them the help that they need there. And then rather than getting put into a health system where they're basically ignored and people just feel like they have to leave because they're a burden, basically. Yeah, it's really horrific. For people in that headspace who are leaning towards feeling that they're a burden anyway Mm. to then go to somewhere and feel even more of a burden yeah absolutely so um that's something that I'm feeling really passionate about and trying to get more involved with here in Australia and um having a really collaborative approach that's something that I have really found so important is that if we all work together not-for-profits charities we can join resources pull that and have more of a lasting impact and actually make a difference in the community. So we are seeing a shift now in funding and trying to change and introduce these new systems and new centres and it will happen gradually. Um, but yeah, They need places that are designed especially for that. Don't feel like you're going, you know, there's stigma associated with mental health facilities so you want to yeah something that people feel that they can go to without yeah yeah absolutely yeah and something um interesting I came across was that losing a loved one or a peer to suicide is actually a risk factor for suicide is it really I actually didn't know that um I can see how that might happen and I think through being in the industry I have met those that have had lived experience or made an attempt and yeah have actually lost other family members to it so I can see how that um, might influence themselves but because there's the olden day um, approach where people say oh how could you do that to your family and things I mean I know that Mm -hmm. everybody most people are educated now enough on mental health to know that it's 
that's not relevant at all and um that person is unwell yes absolutely there's an imbalance yeah Yeah. there's a literal imbalance you're not able to make those decisions it is literally a chemical makeup in your brain that's impacting this which is why um, once again removing the stigma around taking medication if that Mm -hmm. is how you can manage it that is fantastic so so many um, people are taking medication it's it's fabulous and more and more people are talking about it yeah and I think that's really great and I think it's the medication isn't a one sort of fix-all thing like it's to help you work through what it is yeah, that so has your, brought you to that position. Yeah. It's get your head, head in a, a space where you can actually deal yeah. with those things. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're seeing so many more people struggling with their mental health. And people often ask me, are more people struggling or are more people just yeah. open to talking about it? And I'm not really sure, but I do believe that intergenerational trauma is having an effect and I know this is sort of quite a new area that is being researched and studied and um, they sort of say that the trauma comes out in the fourth generation apparently so that we're seeing see. a lot so of it's being put onto each person they've handled it they've handled it they've handled yeah. it eventually yeah and it literally changes right. your DNA which makes ah. like you more predisposed to certain um, conditions like bipolar or depression whatever it might be oh. so the fact that those who fought in world wars or, um, yeah, whatever trauma it has been um, in your family from generations ago, you are now suffering from it. So I think it's wow. so important for our younger generations to be so aware of it and try and make changes in their life that can help sort of, yeah, change that trajectory once again. And, I think that's um, a powerful thing for older people to to know, um, especially because sometimes older people are the ones who say, oh, they've got nothing to worry about youth these days. They've got everything, you know? Yeah. It's funny how each generation will always the say that thing. they've had it. Yeah, they'll yeah. always say the same. Um, so I think we've all had challenges. different challenges. Mm. Yeah, different time. I mean, like us now going through COVID and and social but, media. I think is a massive thing and screen time and how much that yeah. impacts your mental health. Um, both what you see on it, and then I think also the impacts of of the lights and not being outside and attention span and yeah. yeah that dopamine hit because you're seeing that joy constantly so yeah, you don't get any delayed gratification it's all instant 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 yeah even tv shows um i mean sometimes now you have to wait for new seasons but tv shows you binge watch <laughs> binge. you don't have to wait yeah. for a whole week for the next one yeah absolutely so that that culture that binge culture i think we're living in at the moment absolutely COVID, once again, just adding a whole lot of other stresses to everyone worldwide. Mm. Um, So I think we will see things sort of get a lot worse before they get better in that sense. Um, But I'm hopeful. And that's why I really do try and share my story and try and be hopeful in that. You know, maybe it is reaching a breaking point where finally what you're talking about, finally governments and health systems are going to have the right response. Yeah. And I I remain hopeful in that we are going to make changes. We are going to try and approach things differently 
and we're going to instill in our children how to talk about mental health and how to be really open about it. And, um, yeah, I think we will see that change once again through the generations and we've got a long way to go. But, yeah, I remain hopeful that we will build a more mentally healthy future. And what are the things that you do on a day-to-day basis with your work? So you're full-time and you pay yourself a salary from the Blue Tree Project? Yes. So um, we got the project to a point where it was, I was sort of working and trying to manage the project and I was just too much. Sorry, before. I've had a bit of a varied career so far. I actually studied anatomy at university and then worked for a health food company whilst I was studying. And I fell in love with the business side of things and actually um, enhanced my studies in business, but found it really hard to find work as like a 22 year old. And they all want five years experience for like a graduate role. So I actually started um, work experience at Setman West Media, which is um, a big media outlet here in Australia. And I was a news editor there for a little while. And then the project sort of started taking off and I went down to part-time and then decided to take the project on full-time because it was just really demanding. And I sort of thought I would make, hey, why the sun is shining like I could never expect that it would get to what it has today. So it's not only myself, but there is someone who works full time alongside me, who is um, a very awesome. close She's friend. She's so yeah. onto it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. She's fantastic. I actually yeah. coached her from my old work. We used to work oh, together. So <laughs> it's so fantastic to have someone that I really love yeah, working alongside me. Trust, yeah. yeah. And what are um, the sort of things you guys do? So we organize a range of community events where often joining um, large scale like royal shows, agricultural days out in the country, um, Mindsight tours, we host a youth music festival, we have a country gala. So we do a range of different activities at different levels. I go and speak with schools and do a decent amount of key speaking and youth conferences. So a real mix of things like Cass has always said that my colleague she was like you never really know what you're going to be doing on any given day like a couple of weekends ago we were on a station like in the middle of nowhere for a hoedown line dancing fundraiser and like it's just there's often so many weird and wonderful things that we get to do and I feel really honored to meet so many people and have them share their stories um, with me as well and sort of share the impact that a blue tree has maybe had in their life and knowing there are lots of people out there who have seen them and um, yeah it's really made them think and reflect. And what are you doing this week you said you're going no did you say Northern Territory? No so I'm going Northern WA we so as um, Young Australian of the Year for Western Australia I'm one of the award winners um, and alongside the others, we're going up and doing a tour of honour, I believe is what they're calling oh, it. And we're visiting some communities. Thank yeah. you. Visiting some communities and um, schools and just doing a few bits and pieces, maybe some mine sites as well. So doing that and then actually flying out to New Zealand for yeah, a couple yeah. of weeks. You're going to Monica, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm cool. so excited to yeah. hit, the, hit the slopes. How long are you coming <laughs> over for? Um, about two and a half weeks in total. Yeah. Some advice for um, someone listening 
who is going through some challenges, mm. mental health I, challenges at the moment? What would you? Yeah, I think everyone struggles in their own way. And I guess my last message to people is if you are feeling emotionally exhausted, please reach out for help. There is no shame in asking for help and there should be no outdated judgment or prejudice that dictates your decisions when it comes to your mental health. It's so important. And, um, yeah, I think physical health plays such a huge role and I would really recommend trying to prioritise that in your routine because it helped me immensely. Yeah. Um, the other thing is for people out there who have a loved one or a friend that they can see is struggling and they're not sure what to do to help them. I always try and share a couple of things when I talk about mental health and I'll quickly touch on them. Firstly, don't use the term committed when referring to suicide. Um, I was going to actually ask you about that today. Because, yeah. Um, I used that in the past and um, a girl that works for me lost her father to suicide and she said, oh, oh, that's not how you say it. So tell us about that. Yeah. So it was something that was shared with me very early on after losing my brother and I was using the term because it's kind of just second nature. Everyone uses it when referring to suicide, but it's yeah. actually something um, that was used from back in the old days when it was a crime to take your own life. Ah, and committed. it's not yeah. a crime. Yeah. It's an absolute tragedy. So I think we really need to change that vocabulary around that. Um, so What's saying the best suicided, way to say it? yeah, suicided or took their own life is yeah. the preferred way of um, speaking about it. And you can, um, say, you can say died by suicide. I've seen written. Yes. It. Yeah. So trying to shift that. Um, so that's one thing I'd like to share. Secondly, try and becoming more educated on the topic as a whole by doing some short courses. I did the mental health first aid course here in um, Australia and it was really fantastic. It, it really gives you those tools to know and understand mental health a bit better so you can sort of see it from those that are struggling point of view and also Sorry, I feel like that needs to be as popular as the first aid courses for physical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think having that toolkit to take on those difficult conversations that can feel very confronting um, will be life-changing. It's approaching that conversation knowing you have um, a bit of a direction to go. And, um, yeah, I agree. I think I left school doing my life-saving my bronze medallion even offered to do a barista course by the time I had left school but mm. there was no talk about mental health first aid course which I think everyone should be doing yeah, how good um, would it be if that was like a compulsory part of yeah education yeah so I think there are a lot of schools here I know um taking that on which I just think is so incredible because it builds that emotional intelligence once again um and yeah so you're looking after your peers you're looking after your family and you're looking after yourself and most importantly looking after ourselves is the best way that we can look after others around us as well so I'm a big um, big advocate for self-care and making sure you're looking out for yourself but definitely educating yourself on the topic as a whole will change your life yeah I've got these questions that are supposed to be like a fun finish okay like but guys, I'm sorry. I meant to spend more time on them. I did it this morning and then I meant to come back. 
And what happens with these questions is they're okay. They're supposed to just get a bit more of an insight into you from maybe a fitness perspective and have a bit of fun. So we'll give it a go. And if they're too boring, then we can just edit it out. <laughs> okay. But it, it's getting to know you, so I'm sure it won't be boring. First of all, so excited that you and Cassidy are going to do a workout for mental health yourselves. Yeah, I'm really excited. I um, I actually stopped my gym membership from the gym that I was in recently just because flexibility with classes was just being a nightmare and cancellation fee if things change like I would get a fee for cancellation and I was finding that like I do a lot of traveling with the work and so I was missing sessions and I was just getting really frustrated it wasn't working so and when it's like me when it's a tool you rely on for your mental health it's it's a serious thing it's not just as simple as oh you can't make your class it's has an impact on your life when you can't make it like you you want to be able to make these things absolutely so that's exactly why we have dedicate for people in your situation. So favorite, do you prefer hit or weights? Weights. Do you prefer yoga or Pilates? Pilates. Running or cycling? Oh, neither. Okay, no, I was going to say running or walking and I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, cycling, I would say. I just, I'm a terrible runner. Like put me in the water and I'm fine. Like I've done the Rottnest swim, which is like this big 20 kilometer swim to Rottnest oh, wow. from Perth. Um, I didn't oh, do it amazing. myself. I did it alongside some others, but yeah. I, I just. Like um, leagues, you did like 5Ks each or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I've always found running and cardio super challenging. I have some really thick thighs and <laughs> I've always been great at weights. How good are weights though? Like <laughs> I love weights. Um, Absolutely. So when you head on to, to dedicate, check out Sculpt and Ignite. Okay. Have you got um, some dumbbells at home? Yes. Ke- and a kettlebell? Yeah. We've got a bit of equipment because when COVID first hit oh, yes. and all the gyms closed, yeah. we were lucky that we had a bit of stuff and we we're able to make a bit of a makeshift home gym yeah perfect um okay champagne or cocktail cocktail (laughs) champagnes for headaches (laughs) yes oh would you rather live in the bush or the city or country or city oh I think my heart is in this in the country yeah so do you think one day you'll end up like you're in the phase of your life where you live in the city do you think you might eventually or is it would it be too hard with what you do well, I think that's interesting. It's sort of, you have different chapters in your life and maybe for a particular chapter, I might go back out into the country and live there for a little while. Um, but I think the but opportunity is always in the country. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I, I really do live the best of both worlds. I can go back to the farm and visit whenever I want. And yeah. I really enjoy traveling around the state with the project. So yeah, I get, I get to have it all in that sense. And what does your partner do? My partner is a data analyst and consultant, so he he needs to work in the city really for what he does. Did he, he grow up on a farm or not, or is he a city through and through? No, he's city through and through. Yeah. <laughs> okay, nachos or spag bowl? Big question. Big 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 Ooh, question. That's hard, but spag. Yeah, nice. I'm a big spag fan. <laughs> so good, eh? so good. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset over the ocean in Western Australia. Oh, There's nothing quite like it. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that because the sun goes down and it sets in the west. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. Um, wash the dishes or dry? Dry. Oh, 
or have my washing my dishwasher do both. <laughs> yeah. There's always some extra dishes though that you have to do, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe because you don't have um, kids, you haven't quite. <laughs> That's it. Maybe I'm... <laughs> it feels like you're cooking for masses. Um, skinny jeans or boyfriend jeans? Boyfriend jeans, absolutely. Exercise in the morning or night? Always morning. It gets me going and sort of wakes me up. I feel like once I'm done with work, I've like checked out and it's downtime. I can't exercise then. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's so good because like I actually quite enjoy working um, early, uh, working out early evening or like 2.30, 3 o'clock, which doesn't really happen because I pick up the kids. But when I can, I quite like it because that's when I'm low in energy. So it gives you a boost. But the problem yeah. with that is things can pop up yes and yeah then, so and then it you lose that time slot yeah yeah beach or mountains beach yeah I, I knew you were going to say this, this is a silly question <laughs> to ask someone from anyway <laughs> from australia in general yeah. <laughs> yeah underwear under your leggings yes or no under your tights yes sing in front of a crowd or dance Oh, dance, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't really like to do that, but definitely over singing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that down and hold it to you sometime. <laughs> press-ups or a plank? Uh, press-ups, yep. Nice. That's all I've got because I, like I said, I ran out of time. <laughs> my um, my days are hectic. But um, that was fun because you're an engaging person and you um, answer those you know, Good. you didn't just say yes or no. You gave us some background. Good. I hope there was some background. <laughs> on <interview>. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Kendall. It's been so awesome to hear more about your story, what you're doing for mental health, and then also just get to know you as a person. It is so inspiring what you're doing, and it's so fantastic that you've been recognised for that with Regional Australian, Young Australian of the Year. Yes. Yeah, it's quite an honor yeah. um very well deserved very well, well deserved. thank you I appreciate that and also appreciate all the work that you're doing and having us involved um move for mental health it's fantastic and I can't wait to um join in as well yeah no it's going to be really fun and it really is gives it so much more purpose so how it's working there's a number of little dynamics you know involved in it but there's a thousand dollars cash up for grabs but also what people do is they get someone to sponsor them to finish because what we find is a lot of people they start things they start a fitness challenge and they don't see it through the end and obviously we want people to get the mental health benefits from exercising but also the mental health benefits that you're going to get from setting yourself you know, from telling yourself you're going to achieve something and then actually seeing it through and achieving it. Yes. So we think by one, having the money up for grabs, that's quite an incentive. (laughs) And two, if people can get someone to sponsor them and know that that money is going to Blue Tree Project and to Will to Live um, to actually help, we think that'll help incentivize people to keep going, knowing it's not just about them, it's about others as well. Yeah, that purpose I think is really powerful and no, I'm really excited to be involved. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time on a Monday morning for you. <laughs> no worries at all. You'll you have a big long to-do list now. They'll <laughs> set you back.
<laughs> that would be great. Thanks so much for your time and have a great time in New Zealand and we will keep in touch and talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kendall. See you. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to the Dedicate podcast and a massive heartfelt thank you to Kendall for sharing her story. We're excited to be working with Kendall and raising funds for Blue Tree Project with Workout for Mental Health. So join us on this eight-week challenge that will get you moving and feeling great and encourage you to focus on how exercise makes you feel. And not only will you be working out to feel great, you'll be supporting and encouraging others too. The challenge starts on Monday the 15th of August. Get started with your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com.